Welcome to the sermon podcast for Canton Church. We gather every week in Canton, Georgia to worship and grow together through God's Word. We exist because generations matter. We hope you are encouraged by today's message. Well, I am so honored to be up here today. I'm so excited to be able to speak to you, to share what God's doing in my life, to share what God has placed on my heart to share with you this morning. Every opportunity that Pastor Jeremy and Corey give me to speak, I am just so honored that they trust this platform to me, trust me to speak to all of you today, and I'm so excited to be able to do so this morning. There's some exciting things going on here at Can Church, aren't there? Yeah? Yeah, there we go. Yeah, there's some great things going on. If you follow us on social media, you've seen some of the things we posted this past week. If you don't, you need to. Go to Canton Church um, on Facebook, go to Can- at Canton Church GA on Instagram. Follow us so that you can keep up with everything going on. But this past week, we posted that we're working on some new things for our kids' life environments because we're up like 27% in kids over last year, which is unbelievable. Absolutely. Yeah. Pastor Matt and his team are doing an unbelievable job, and there's some just incredibly exciting things going on. Easter, like they just said a second ago, is only three weeks away. Make sure you get your tickets. We've already had several hundred tickets claimed, so make sure you, soon as you can, get tickets so that you and your family can attend the service time that you want to attend. There will be services available, but make sure you get the time that you want. If you're an 11 o'clock attender and you don't want to wake up and go to a 9.30 service, make sure you get that 11 o'clock ticket on Easter Sunday. If you want to come Wednesday night, make sure you get that ticket. Same for Friday night. It's going to be an incredible week. We spent a lot of time this past week dreaming about it, and it's going to be so awesome. You do not want to miss it. But last week, Pastor Jeremy started a brand new series called Acts and Arrows, and this week we'll be continuing that, and then he'll be concluding that series next Sunday. But last week he started by talking about a scripture, a story in 2 Kings chapter 6, the first several verses of it, that i got to be honest, is kind of just a weird, random, thrown in there scripture that doesn't really make a ton of sense if you read in the context of what is surrounding it. But the story is about a man who's got an axe, and he's with a man named Elisha, and Elisha's the guy that we're going to spend these three weeks talking about, but Elisha is with this guy with the axe, and the guy using is with the axe is using the axe, and the axe head flies off of the handle and lands in a body of water. Well, the guy's like, this was borrowed. I've got to get the axe head back, and so he says, Elisha, I've got to get this back. Elisha says, well, just point to where it went into the water. The guy point. Elisha throws a stick out there, and the axe head floats. Weird. Like, I don't understand why it had to happen. I don't understand the whole context of everything going on here. But that's what happened. And Elisha did that, and that happens, and that happens. And then the story that we're going to talk about today is the very next verse that has zero connections to this story whatsoever. But that's where we're going to go. That's where we're going to march forward from. But it's a really cool story. And if you weren't here last week, make sure you check the podcast out. It was unbelievable. Follow us. You can go to iTunes, search Canton Church. You need to listen to last week. It was amazing. But today we're going to start and we're going to talk today about the next story in 2 Kings chapter 6. So if you've got your Bible, your smartphone, you want to follow along at all, we're going to spend most of our time in 2 Kings 6. I'm going to jump around a little bit, but all of those other verses will be on the screen along with the 2 Kings. But we're going to spend most of our time in 2 Kings. But before we get going, is it okay if I pray? 
Even if it's not, I'm going to pray anyway because I have the microphone. So I'm going to pray real quick, and then we're going to get started. God, I thank you for this day. God, I thank you again for the opportunity to be with an incredible group of people. God, I thank you for the life change that we've seen in such a small amount of time already in 2018. God, the numbers in kids and the ministry and the life change that's taking place. God, Wednesday nights and students and here on Sunday mornings with adults. God, we've got 56 couples coming and investing in their marriage, a couple to couple on Sunday nights all month long. God, it's just amazing to see all that you are doing in this place here at Canton Church. God, be with us this morning. Allow us to just grow closer to you today in everything that we do. God, we love you and we thank you. In your name I pray. Amen. I know I just told you that we're going to be in 2 Kings, but I'm going to read two verses outside of 2 Kings real quick. The first one is in 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 8. It says, Be alert and of sober mind. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, looking for someone to devour. And then Ephesians chapter 6, verse 12 says, For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers and against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. When I was a little kid, I went through a phase of life where about every single night, I got resaved. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Like every night, like right about the time that I was supposed to be going to sleep, I was like, I've got to give my life to Christ because if he comes back tonight, I'm not sure that I'm going to be going. And so every night I would kind of get resaved because when I was a kid, I I was aware of spiritual aspects of life. I was aware of the concept of there's good and the good is God and God loves me. And then I was aware of evil and evil was Satan and Satan is out to kill and destroy and to harm me. I was aware of these things. And so at night I'd lay down and I'd be like, oh my gosh, like I messed up today. I told a lie today or did whatever a little kid does to get in trouble and convince myself that I was no longer going to heaven. And every night I had to make sure that I was going to go to heaven if Jesus came back in the middle of the night. And then sometimes I'd wake up in the middle of the night and the house would be really quiet and I would convince myself laying in my bed that I had missed it. And so I'd walk out into the hallway and I'd stand in the hallway outside of my bedroom door as quietly as I could, just listening for any noise in the house, hoping that someone would breathe heavy. And when someone finally would, okay, they're still here. I haven't missed it. But I was aware of spiritual aspects. I can remember being in services as a kid. And back when I went to church as a little kid, we went to a church that had Sunday night service. Anybody grow up going to Sunday night service? And Sunday night service at the church that I grew up at, all of the family went into the service. They didn't have kids' church on Sunday night. Like, as a family, you went in, and everybody goes to Sunday night service together. And I can remember being in those services and watching as the Holy Spirit would move in a service. I can remember being in a service one night as a little kid and watching as a man got healed. And when I was young, I started to recognize and I started to realize that there are greater forces outside of just me in this world. There's good, which is God, like I said a second ago. And God loves me and God cares about me. And God is powerful and God is mighty. We sing songs about it growing up. And then there's this evil force, this spiritual force that hates me, that wants to kill me, wants to destroy me. And there's this supernatural battle, there's this spiritual battle that's taking place all around us. And I didn't understand it when I was young. I still don't understand it completely, and I probably never will. 
fully understand the full realm of what's actually taking place. But I do know that there are spiritual forces around us. There's God, and he's working on our behalf, and there's the enemy that's working against us. And know this first and foremost today. If we skipped ahead all the way to the very end of the story of Revelations, I want you to know first and foremost today that we win. God wins. In the very end of all of it, God throws Satan and his followers in the hell for eternity. And God rules for eternity. He wins. Some of you just got really uncomfortable. Some of you may not have ever thought or don't like to think about the idea of powers of this dark world or spiritual forces of evil or the heavenly realms. But here's all I ask of you today. Know that God loves you and know that God is fighting for you. Know that when you choose a relationship with God, you choose to be on the winning side of history. Our passages, like I said, for this entire series are found in 2 Kings chapter 6. And our story is about a man named Elisha. Elisha has an incredible backstory that I wish I had the time today to get into, but I just don't. But some of the amazing things that Elisha saw and experienced and God did through are unbelievable. He stood and watched as Elijah, his mentor, the man that he followed, ascended into heaven when chariots of fire came to get him. It's unbelievable. Elisha had done some amazing things in his life. And then we pick up this story right after he just makes an axe head float. The very next verses start in verse 8 of 2 Kings chapter 6. It says, Now the king of Aram was at war with Israel. After conferring with his officers, he said, I will set up my camp in such and such place. The man of God sent word to the king of Israel, Beware of passing that place because the Armenians are going down there. So the king of Israel checked on the place indicated by the man of God. Time and time again, Elisha warned the king so that he was on his guard in such places. This enraged the king of Aram. He summoned his officers and demanded of them, Tell me, which of us is on the side of the king of Israel? None of us, my lord, the king, said one of the officers. But Elisha, the prophet who is in Israel, tells the king of Israel the very words you speak of in your bedroom. Now, when I first read this, when Pastor Jeremy and I met several weeks ago and he told me that these would be the passages that I'd be speaking on, I read this and I, would, I just said out loud, sitting in my office, I'm like, awesome. Like, there's nothing here to talk about. When I read this, I'm like, great, there's a king who's out to find and kill the Israelite army and the Israelite king, and he's in such and such place, good to know. And so he's just moving around and God's telling Elisha where they're at and Elisha's telling the king where the other men are at and the king then brings all of his men and says, one of you's a spy working for Israel. Who is it? Why are you telling them where we are? And they're like, no, you don't understand. Israel has Elisha. And what Elisha is doing is God is speaking to Elisha and Elisha is telling them everything. Like even the things that you're saying in complete privacy, Elisha knows. When I first read this, and I've read this before, but I think it's just kind of fallen into one of the Old Testament stories that I don't know that I've ever really completely studied. You know, sometimes I just kind of get to reading and I read just to make sure that I can say that I've read that passage, that chapter. And so I think that every time I've ever read 2 Kings 6, it's kind of fallen under that. So I've never really studied it. But as I dug into this and as I realized that there is so much more at play here than just a man moving an army around... It's spiritual forces moving around. It's God 
doing incredible things through a man of Elisha. Now, it's not as glamorous as some of the other stories in Scripture where God does supernatural things that are very evident. You know, when, when the army prior to this was fighting in a different battle, like God made the sun stand still. That's awesome. Like it didn't move and it just stayed daylight and stayed daylight. There's a passage in Joshua chapter 10, verse 11, where Israel is in a battle. It says, as they fled before Israel on the road, referring to the enemy, down from Beth Horon to Azekiah, the Lord hurled large hailstones down on them, and more of them died from the hail than were killed by the sword of the Israelites. That's unbelievable. It's a moment where God is doing incredible things supernaturally to protect his people. Now, we can see that, and we can read that story, and it's so evident, it's so obvious that the supernatural is working, that God is working on behalf of his people. But then we go back to our 2 Kings chapter 6 story, and it's a little more difficult to find. It's not as evident. There's not a sun that stands still and doesn't move. There's not hailstones being hurled from heaven and killing the enemy soldiers. But it's God speaking to a man on behalf of protecting his people. And as I read this and as I studied this and I started to figure that out and I started to realize that, I started to realize that the enemy is constantly plotting against us. But unbeknownst to us, there's a spiritual battle taking place where God is moving armies around to protect us from them finding us. We may not know it, but we have enemies that are running down roads that God is throwing large hailstones at. There's an enemy out there that seeks to kill, steal, and destroy you. But I think sometimes we may find ourselves in our life in moments like this where we're just sitting there and God's moving pieces around behind the scenes that we don't even recognize. We don't see it. It's not this glamorous thing of amazing, like the sun doesn't move. It's not this amazing watching as hail is thrown at the enemy. Behind the scenes, kind of quietly, kind of discreetly, God's doing some things for you. God's doing some things for me. And maybe you're here today and you're like, I don't feel like that's the case for me. I feel like every enemy that I have, every decision I have, every tough moment of my life, every obstacle, every temptation, I feel like I have to face it head on. And I don't feel like God's protected me from any of it. And I would warn you against thinking that way. In 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 13, it says, And God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. But when you are tempted, he will also provide a way out so that you can endure it. I've probably heard Pastor Jeremy teach on this verse a hundred times in my life. And every time he does, or every time I read it, every time I think about this verse, it always just reassures in me that, yeah, I'm going to face things. Like, I still believe that God's doing things without me knowing it for me on my behalf. But I'm going to face things in my life. But the scripture tells me that I'm never going to face something that God's not given me the way out. I'm never going to face something that I'm not strong enough to come out stronger on the other side. Every time that I come against an enemy, every time I come against an obstacle, I can endure it. You're going to face things. You're going to be tempted. You're going to go under attack from the enemy. But God promises you will never face more 
than you can handle. So you've got the king who's out trying to find the Israelite people, and he realizes that it's Elisha that's telling the king of Israel where his men are at, and he's just furious. He can't take it anymore. So he sends spies out to go find Elisha because he's going to capture Elisha and maybe bring him in and use him to tell him where the Israelites are at. And so they go and they find him. And in the middle of the night, he brings a large force, horses and chariots and a large army to come and surround where Elisha's at. And that's where we pick up the second part of our story today. Verse 15, it says, when the servant of the man of God, so Elisha's servant, got up and went out early the next morning, an army with horses and chariots had surrounded the city. Oh no, my Lord, what shall we do? The servant asked. Do not be afraid, the prophet answered. Those who are with us are more than those who are with them. And Elisha prayed, open his eyes, Lord, so that he may see. Then the Lord opened the servant's eyes, and he looked and saw the hills full of horses and chariots of fire all around Elisha. Imagine for just a second that you're the servant, that you get up, and it's just like any other day. You roll out of bed, you get up, and maybe he went out to fetch water, or maybe he loved to just walk outside and just check the weather that day. Is it going to be sunny? Is it going to be cloudy? Is it cold? Is it hot? Maybe he loved to watch the sunrise. Maybe he went out and did his quiet time in the morning, in the cool of the morning still. But whatever the reason, he went outside. And maybe he was kind of rubbing his eyes still, waking up. Maybe he stretched. And maybe he loved to just look to the east to see the sunrise. And what he did up on top of the hill, sees an enemy. Sees an army that's there, and he knows why. They're to find Elisha. And he doesn't know if maybe they're there to kill Elisha or to throw him in prison or to harm him or to make him be a slave. They just, he just knows, the servant just knows that they're there for bad reasons. And maybe if he's anything like me, maybe he just kind of froze and he's like, if I don't move, they won't know I'm here. Maybe they didn't see me. And maybe he snaps back in and then it says he runs back inside and he goes and Elisha might still be asleep and he wakes him up and he shakes him and he says, you've got to come outside, you've got to see this. This is not good, this is bad news, the enemy's here, the army has found you, we're going to die, we're going to die, Elisha, it's over. Takes him outside, Elisha walks outside and he just says, God, show him. We read those scriptures again. Elisha told the servant, don't be afraid, the prophet answered. Those who are with us are more than those who are with them. And Elisha prayed, open his eyes, Lord, so that he may see. Then the Lord opened the servant's eyes, and he looked and saw the hills full of horses and chariots of fire all around Elisha. In a moment, the servant saw it. You see, in that moment, the servant saw that a greater force was present, unseen but potent, ready to fight on behalf of the righteous. It's what the author of Psalms meant when he said in Psalms 34, the angel of the Lord encamps around those who fear him and he delivers them. Or it's the same as when Daniel told King Darius, when Darius came back to get Daniel out of the lion's den, he shows up the next morning, tells them to move the stone, and he calls down into this lion's pit, knowing that Daniel had to be dead, but in hopes that he had lived, said, Daniel. And Daniel walked out and he said, God sent an angel last night. And the angel held the lion's mouth closed, and they didn't touch me. They didn't harm me. 
The servant walked outside, and he just saw an army. He saw the end. He saw the enemy. He saw the thing that he didn't think that he would be able to overcome. And I believe today that a lot of us can be the servant boy. I believe we can look up, see our enemy, and think that the fight's completely over. But what if we're focusing on the wrong things? What if all we spend our time is focusing on the enemy rather than focusing on God? And what if instead of looking at the problem, we started to look at the problem solver? What if Daniel had just looked at the lion rather than looking to God as a way out? What if he'd walked into the lion's den and said, it's over, I give up? What if Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego had looked at a fire rather than looked for the face of God to show up in the fire? What if Joshua had looked at the power of the walls of Jericho rather than the power of a seven-day march? When the people told him, you're crazy. There's no way you can take on Jericho. Its walls are too fortified. He said, well, I'm not going to attack the walls. I'm just going to walk around them. When people mocked him, made fun of him, told him this will never work. What are you doing? This is a waste of time. What if he'd have given up after six days? If he would have marched day one, marched day two, if people start ridiculing, the pressure's on, I'm the leader, I can't look like a fool. What if he'd have given up? What if Jonathan had looked at the power of his father's threats rather than the protection of his friend David? My dad, he saw, he's the king. He could have me killed for protecting David, but he protected him anyway. What if Esther had looked at her own race and gender rather than the ability to save her entire people group? What if Paul had looked at the shackles as he sat in a prison rather than look at the pen to write two-thirds of the New Testament? I'm in prison. What can I do? I'm just sitting here. I'm chained up. They caught me. The enemy's arrived. I've got no hope. I've got no future. I've got no plans. Here I am just sitting in jail. What's the point of writing the letters? What if Peter, when he stepped out in faith outside of the boat and stepped onto the water, when he got nervous and he started to sink, what if he had just looked down at the water at his problem rather than looking back up to Jesus and stretched out his hand? I think sometimes, church, we can spend all of our time like the servant boy, just looking at the enemy, dwelling on the problem, thinking about the issue, rather than looking to the problem solver. The servant boy walked out that morning and saw a huge army, he looked to the big problem and wasn't remembering that he had a bigger God to fight the problem. Now for you, the last time I checked, there wasn't an army sitting in someone's front yard in Canton, Georgia, surrounding their house ready to kill them. <laughs> if that's happened, I don't know why that hasn't popped up on my Fox 5 news feed on Facebook as like a live video, like live from Canton as this army has surrounded this person's house. You're not facing a literal army. There's not an army parked in your front yard with tanks and machine guns and all of that crazy stuff. But if we remember back to the scripture that we read earlier in Ephesians chapter 6, verse 12, it said, For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Your fight's not with a literal army. Your fight's with an enemy, a very literal enemy, a very real enemy. 
but an enemy nonetheless. And doesn't it seem like sometimes it would just be easier to face an army than to face some of the things that you're having to overcome, to face some of the things that you are having to face? But we face an enemy that seeks to kill, steal, and destroy us every day that I think we end up spending a lot of times like the servant boy, just focused on that and that alone and forgetting that there's a God that's bigger. And I love when Elisha came out of the house and he looked up on the hill. I got to imagine he probably laughed a little bit. He looked up and he saw this big army and he kind of chuckled and I said, that's not that big. Look at God. He prayed, God, let this servant boy see what I can see. And he appeared. And the servant looked up again. And he could see this mighty army of God that had surrounded this other army. And today, what if we stopped just focusing on our enemy? And we started to focus on our problem solver. But again, we don't face a real army. We face a real enemy. But our problem is the addiction, isn't it? It's the thing that you don't seem to be able to kick. It's the thing that comes back time and time again. Every time you think you've kicked the addiction, it just sneaks its head right back in. And you're just trapped. You look up on the hill and all you can see is that enemy. All you can see is that problem. It's that addiction that I can't overcome. It's the alcohol, isn't it? You just got to have that numbing feeling to numb the pain, to numb the fear, to numb the thoughts, and you don't know how to put the bottle down. It's alcohol. It's the enemy, right? It's the mighty army sitting on a hill that is just all of your focus. It's that relationship outside of marriage that's just gone too far, isn't it? You don't know how to get out. It's too deep. It's too real. You've, you've got too many connections and you're afraid that it's all going to blow up so soon. And you have no idea how to get out of it. It's the lies, isn't it? You've told, so, you've told so many lies you don't even know what the truth is anymore. And you're just surrounded and feel captured by your own lies. And when you look up in the morning, when you walk outside like the servant did, and you look up on that hill, all you see is the lies. It's your enemy. It's your battle. It's the divorce that seems inevitable, isn't it? You roll over in the morning, and you look like you look at what you think is a complete stranger. And you're hurt and you're scared and you don't know what to do next. You don't know where to turn. When you wake up in the morning and you look up on the hill like the servant did, that's the enemy. And you don't know how to overcome it. You don't know what to do. It just seems bigger than you're able to handle. It's the fear, isn't it? The fear that you face, the fear that you deal with every single day It's paralyzing. It hurts. You can't even feel like you can breathe sometimes. 
It's the loneliness, isn't it? You feel so alone. You don't feel like anybody is there. You don't feel like anybody loves you. You look up on the hill, the enemy that you see is the loneliness. We've got to remember that there's a God that does love you that's bigger than the enemy on the hill. It's the depression, isn't it? You don't know how to deal with it. You feel like some days you have really good days. You feel like sometimes you have a really good season where it's, it's not that bad, and then you just hit this wall where you don't even want to get out of bed in the morning. You don't even want to take another breath. Like you're just, you're just so down. You just don't know how to get yourself back up. It's the enemy that has surrounded you. It's the suffocation of looking up on the hill and saying, it's just bigger than me. I can't do this. I can't overcome this. But what if we stopped spending our time as the servant? We started spending our time as Elisha, who just walks out, looks at the enemy and said, but my God's bigger. My God's bigger than that. My God's bigger than the depression. My God's bigger than the divorce. My God's bigger than the temptation. My God's bigger than the addiction. My God's bigger than the lies. What if we stopped focusing and stopped looking at the problem and instead started looking to and looking for the solution? Because the reality is the servant, he himself that day, he wouldn't have beat the army no chance. You can't overcome yours by yourself. But when he allows God to come into the picture, and when we allow God to come into the picture, the game changes instantly. If we kept reading, the story goes on to tell us that God blinded the entire army. They didn't have to do anything, and they led the army right into the Israelite camp walked them in. But you know what the Israelites did? It's crazy. It's weird. The ending of this whole thing is just weird. They fed them and sent them home. No idea. But God showed up. The ball game changed. With every head bowed and every eye closed. Two things we're going to pray about today. First, you're in the room today and you would say, I don't know that I've ever entered into a relationship with God. I don't know that when I feel like I have an enemy in front of me, I don't know that I have the ability to call on the name of Jesus. And I've got to have that. I need that in my life. I need that relationship. If that's you today, I just want you to lift your hand up really quick and you can put it right back down. Second thing that I want to pray about today, maybe you're sitting in the room today And when you look up on the hill, you see a giant army. Not a literal army, but a literal enemy. Maybe it's lies, maybe it's depression, maybe it's financial issues, maybe it's something completely unrelated to what I talked about today. But when you look up, you see an enemy. It's loneliness, it's fear, it's depression, it's pending divorce, whatever it might be for you. If you had hated me today, Pastor Trevor, I think and I believe that I am facing an enemy. I am facing an army today. I just want you to lift your hand up. Lots of hands. If you lifted your hand, I want you to take a really bold step. And right now, I just want you to stand where you are. 
many people standing. You're facing an enemy that's real. And here's what I love about church. I fully believe that you can go to heaven without coming to church, but why would you want to? Because when we come to church and we come into places like this, when we're able to stand in moments like this and have people surround us that love us, that care about us, that can walk alongside of us and say, you're not alone. That's what church is about. It's community. It's a group of people that can walk side by side and you don't have to walk through the good times or the bad times alone because you get to walk together. And here's what I want us to do today. If you see someone around you standing, I want you to stand and I want you to go. I want you to lay a hand on them. We're going to pray one for another today. If you're still sitting, I just ask that you stand as we pray. God, I thank you that you are bigger than any enemy on any hill. God, there is nothing that any person in this room is facing that you're not bigger than. There's nothing that any person in this room is trying to overcome that you can't be there to walk them through. God, show up in these people's life. God, let them be Elisha's and not the servant. Let them, when they look up, not just see the problem. God, let them look up and see the problem solver. Let them walk out of here knowing that God is in their corner, that God is on their side, that they have the power greater is he than is in me, than he that is in the world, that they can overcome. God, you sent your son, and we're going to celebrate in a couple of weeks, to earth to die so that he could conquer death, hell, and the grave so that we have the power of the Holy Spirit in each of us to overcome the enemy that we face. God, we don't face enemies of this world. We face enemies through Satan. And so, God, I just pray right now that you take authority in each of the person's lives in this room. God, we love you and we thank you. In your name I pray. Amen. Thank you again for listening. If you would like more information about today's message or about our church, we invite you to visit us at cantonchurch.com or on Facebook at facebook.com slash cantonchurchga.